Still got the party horn. Party horn's still there. <laughs> Welcome to uh, episode two of Political Yeti's uh, Politics Podcast. I almost forgot what it was called there. Uh, pip as the kids call it. Uh, and I am joined this week by uh, an old friend of my podcasts, the MP4 Inverness Badenoch, or Badenoch, depending on your uh, taste, and Strathspey. Uh, it's Drew Hendry. Uh, podcast gold, as he's known, uh, with his amazing effect on the listenership figures. Uh, welcome. Thank you very to much. My new podcast. I, I should point out that Nairn's in there as well. But uh, oh, well what Inverness, Badnock, Inverness, Badnock, Inverness, Nairn, Badnock, and Strasbourg. Well, it's because I said Badnock and Badnock. <laughs> I knew I said four things when I got it wrong. Uh, and I'm also joined by a new friend of the podcast, uh, Julia Rampant, who is editor of the Staggers at the New Statesman. Um, I don't want to disrespect anybody that's previously been on my podcast, but we're going up in the world for uh, uh, get people from the New Statesman who really want to be on. It's not just a Scottish Mafia thing. It's definitely not a Scottish Mafia in London thing at all. Um, let's talk about uh, Prime Minister's questions, which means it's uh, time for, he says slowly, as he gets his other little jingle ready, this. Still too long, still too long, but, uh, you know, people complain if I don't uh, play that out. Uh, Prime Minister's questions today. Drew, uh, interesting one today, actually, really interesting one for a change um, in the sort of dynamic, possibly rather than the, the topic. Uh, how did you find it? Were you interested throughout? Um, I was interested when there were some decent questions. There were three or four, I think, in there. But uh, uh, although uh, Corbyn probably had a better day in terms of his presentation and his ability to question the grammar school policy. I felt it was, the, again, it was the wrong pick uh, to go down that road. There are really big, substantial issues about uh, the financial future of the nations of the UK, about the, uh, the implications of Brexit, and uh, those issues can really be pursued, and they weren't pursued by Corbyn. Again, it was up to Angus Robertson to go after that. Uh, would you agree, Julia, or do you think grammar schools was the right way to go? I agree that I've heard other people say as well that grammar schools is a handy distraction at the moment. Um, I guess my question would be, it's quite challenging to actually get them to say anything. I've seen a lot of MPs pushing them on um, negotiations and the response is, oh, we can't say anything at all. So how do you get to the point where you have them on the back foot enough that people can see you know, the, um, that the emperor's new clothes? Oh, not there. Well, yeah. I, I, I take your point, but I would, I would say on that, uh, what you do is you analyse all the different aspects that will affect people's lives and go in with a different angle, which is why Deirdre, for example, took the, the financial angle with the financial institutions in our constituency in Edinburgh with their own question and the effect it would have on them. And I think if you go down that line, then you're more likely to get a result um, and, and point out that the, the, that the government of the day doesn't know what it's doing and you know, point that out to the public in a in a repeating basis. Oh no, they do know what they're doing. They're just keeping it secret. <laughs> just don't need to tell people like you, MPs, or the public, or anybody really. Yeah, or just, each other. Um, <laughs> all right, listen. We had, I was going to get onto this, and we'll go early doors since you brought up Deirdre Brock's answer and Theresa May uh, to Deirdre Brock's question and Theresa May's answer, which was. You wanted independence, which would have been bad for Edinburgh's financial sector because then you would have possibly been out of the EU and you would have been out of the UK Union. I think that is a 
that's a fair answer, isn't it? How do you counter that? Well, it's the same old answer she draws out every time, and it's uh, it's based on a false premise now because in 2014, Scotland voted, uh, and we respected the vote to remain uh, part of the UK in the European Union, and that was the prospectus that was put forward by the Better Together campaign. Um, there are many uh, Better Together politicians who were using that as the key reason for remaining in the UK. Now the prospectus has changed completely, that deal has been broken, and that's why actually it's no longer a valid thing to throw back, it's a very lazy answer uh, to the questions that have been raised. It's still fundamentally true though, I mean this is the question that was asked on this podcast last week, and I, I mean, genuinely don't understand it. If the SNP want to stay in the EU because it's good to be in a union and to pool and share resources, why don't you want to be in the UK and pool and share resources and be in that union? Well, let's be clear about what we've been asking for. We've been asking for the mechanism that allows the 62% of people who voted to remain within the EU. Every single uh, electoral district, 32 council areas, voted to remain in the EU. We want to see a mechanism that allows Scotland to do that, to remain in the single market, to remain with free movement of people. And it's up to the UK government to come up to the, with a mechanism that satisfies that uh, democratic demand, a far higher mandate than the Scottish independence referendum, uh, by the way, for remaining in the EU. Um, otherwise, one of the options is that independence will be on the table. Here's the best way to do it. Scotland stays in the UK and the UK stays in the EU. Why not argue for that? Well, I think that we've just literally had a referendum on the the EU, and unfortunately, we had a, referendum, though, we had a referendum, though, referendum on independence not but, so but very long ago. But the prospectus has not changed at the moment because it was a binary question about in or out, not based on um, you know a, a series of other things that would affect it on a on a, a global basis. You know, for example, um, I mentioned the Scottish independence referendum. The key plank of that was that we would remain, if, if we voted to stay in the UK, that we would remain members of the European Union. That's now changed, that argument has fundamentally changed. We can't make the same argument about the EU vote, even though I would like to, because actually I think it's better not only for Scotland, but I think it's better for the rest of the nations of the UK to stay in the EU as well, um, and for us to be able to continue to enjoy the benefits that we've had from people who come to our country to add to our cultural mix, to add to our economy, and the benefits we get from trade and, uh, and a range of other things. Uh, Julia, they're over a barrel, the SNP, on this one, aren't they? There's, um, no, the, the, there's no logic to it. I mean, I hear what you're saying, Drew. I agree but... with part of it. I agree. I remember the referendum, the 2014 one, and I think a lot that of people a yes, did no make... question. But, you know, I think a lot of people did have that conversation about staying in the EU and the decision to vote to stay in the UK was also part of the EU. So I think yeah. Theresa May is very... Um, um, misleading when she suggests that that was not the choice that people considered at the time. But I, what I disagree is I think that um, when I was up in Edinburgh asking people whether their views had changed, the thing that they said most of all was it came down to economics and it came down to the more secure future. And I'm not convinced yet that the more secure future will be an independent Scotland. It could still be within the UK framework. I, mean, well, I think most analysts would suggest that actually the economic future is uh, fundamentally under more strain being outside of the EU than it would be outside of the UK. But fine. Well, play this a different way then. What you should be saying is, right, people in Scotland looked at the independence referendum, did the sums and figured out they're better off in the UK. English people looked at the EU referendum, did the sums, 
figured off they'd be better off in the EU and voted to leave anyway. You should be making <laughs> some sort of argument around how Scottish people are just cleverer than English people, right? But you know, but, just well, to pick up on that point as well, there is, I think it depends a lot what you're offering them because yeah. I think a lot of people now say, yes, we'd be better off in the EU, forget about England. But if you then say, and you're going to be part of the Euro, for example, that is a different calculation. And I think a lot of people in Scotland who are um, moving towards independence just now would not like the idea of, for example, giving up a pound, which was a big platform. Well, well, that brings on to a good point, because what I didn't get the chance to do was pick up your assertion about people voted for an economically more stable future. Actually, they, they voted um, to combat some of the fear, the, the scare stories, which was also a problem in the EU referendum debate. And, you know, even though I was on the Remain side, it was too much fear used. Uh, within the, the overall campaign for that. But it was exactly the same in the Scottish independence referendum where people were being threatened with losing their pensions, their mortgages were going up. We even had at one point the internet wasn't going to work. You know, so there was a range of things that were put forward there for these economic arguments which flatly were just scare, scare stories. And I think that did affect the vote. That and a promise in the dying embers of the campaign that we would get federal neo-federalism, uh, uh, you know, the, the most powerful devolved parliament in the... In, in the world, and uh, when you've just uh, seen Gibraltar celebrate their national day and realise how far behind even Gibraltar we are, uh, you can see that's not, not been uh, realised. Uh, well, the bottom line is we don't actually know why people vote. What well, we need people in referendums. This is why refer- <laughs> this is why referendums are rubbish, isn't it? You go yes, no. What you didn't say is why. We're going to see now people experiencing what we didn't see because of the way the vote went in 2014, which was yeah. the argument against what you said was that yes. Um, our economy might be okay because we're still tied into the many UK institutions like the Bank of England, and but we have no seat at the table. And certainly now, we are going to be very much tied in unless we're going to yeah. turn our backs mm-hmm. on free trade yeah. and the single market and mm-hmm. uh, no seat at the table. It's a valid point. Yeah. Um, I was suggesting that English people are not as clever as Scottish people. That is obviously massively racist. I'd never say such a thing. Being, being <laughs> half English and half Scottish myself. Which means I like to get drunk and beat well, myself. My descent, uh, my descent, uh, English and Irish as well. So I've got a. Uh, what, what I'm trying to do is make a link to education here. <laughs> it's make a very tortured link to education because that because grammar schools was the issue uh, at PMQs. Now clearly, uh, for you, Sue, it doesn't even apply in Scotland, and we don't know. I don't know if you know. I've spoken to a few people. We don't know if the SNP are going to vote on it or not at this stage. Is that your understanding? We shall see. We shall yeah. see in the fullness of time, as they say. Um, the interesting thing I, think, I thought about PMQs was the dynamic because. Jeremy Corbyn did quite well. Uh, I mean, admittedly, he's usually completely rubbish, so <laughs> saying he did well isn't really very much. More importantly, perhaps rather than talking about how rubbish Corbyn is, which I tend to do on this podcast a lot, because he is, was how rubbish Theresa May was. Mm-hmm. I thought she looked really pretty late. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? But I, first of all, I'd say that I think Corbyn did have a better day, but as I said earlier, on the wrong questions, I felt. But mm. I thought his performance was actually not bad, which is high praise, um, you know, for a Prime Minister's question for him. But May, I thought, was uh, was awful. And I think she really is on the ropes uh, with the, um, and, and I know you want to move on from it, but she is on the ropes from the European questions because they have nowhere to go. It's when you look into the, the further you look into the, mechanism that the UK has to go through to, uh, or the mechanics the UK has to go through to extricate itself from Europe, the further you can see how difficult, challenging this is going to be. They've got, uh, you know, no friends, no clue how to do it, and even fewer options. Yeah. Um, I mean, you say it's the wrong questions, but mm. Julia, wouldn't you suggest that the grammar schools was the right questions, precisely because 
it united the Labour Party. I mean, Jamie Reid was tweeting saying Jeremy Corbyn's done a good job. And it made Theresa May look a bit rubbish. So in that sense, it was the right question. Yeah, I think it, I, I, I mean, I agree that he should be pushing more in the EU as well. But I do think that it was a good choice for him because um, I've seen other times when he brings up obscure fishermen's rights. And, <laughs> um, but I think if you were going to pick another issue that's not the EU, it's the best one to pick. And it did have, it, it was a charged performance. And um, I thought that her claim that, um, you know, you were the one taking us back to the 1950s rang incredibly. I mean, it's very cheeky and it also just rang very hollow. I, was a bit, I thought that was a bit weird because yeah. when she said it, I thought, right, clearly there have been accusations that this government is hell-bent on just going back to the 1950s with yeah. leaving Europe being horrible to foreigners and having grammar schools and all the rest of it. Um, I assumed she was going to have some sort of punchline to that. You know, she mm. was taking on board that criticism and mm. it just petered out, mm. which is that... You know, is that a lack of self-awareness? Is that a lack of good writers? Or what's going well, on? Well, I've seen her in three Prime Minister's questions now. In the first one, I thought she was very well prepared for. Um, didn't agree with the tone, and I didn't agree with the tone of the second PMQs either. But you have to say she was very accomplished in that day. Mm. She absolutely, uh, you know, put Corbyn, uh, you know, down in terms of you know the uh, the questions, and uh, you know she was she performed very very well. Since then, the second one, I felt she. Performance was okay, mm-hmm. and today poor. Um, yeah. And uh, I think the pressures of office and the time that she's having to do, devote to other matters, obviously, uh, meaning that she's not getting that time to really hone up as she did in the first PMQs. Yeah, is it fair to say she's getting found out, or that she's finding out exactly what she's been <laughs> left with? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. It, it, it's early days, but the, the signs aren't good, um, you know, in terms of our, our past couple of performances. Mm. But, um, but, you know, who, who knows? And, and politicians, like uh, every other human being, and I'll say this to be fair to everybody, have the ability to have an off day. And they have the ability to have two off days in a row, mm. you know, so, um, so it may just be the, the case. But I genuinely believe that uh, there is a lack of strategy, a lack of answers, and there's a nervousness creeping in to the way the Tories are doing things now. Yeah. Um, she also mentioned it might be Jeremy Corbyn's last PMQs. Do yeah. you think it will be, Julia? No, and I think, <laughs> I mean, I can see that she was trying to have a jive there, but it just rang really false, given that, I mean, unless we get a huge surprise, um, everyone expects him to continue as leader, in fact, in some ways as a strengthened leader. Yeah, it just went a bit wrong again. It was like, here we go, she's setting up a joke, and then there wasn't any mm. joke or any killer punchline. It was a bit, a bit bizarre, wasn't it? Um, well, they, they say in football, if you're playing better players, you play better yourself. And, uh, you know, perhaps uh, perhaps that's the effect with Corbyn. You know, we, we do what we can by fielding Angus Robertson as a star player, you know, and he, he puts her under some pressure. Um, repeat, well, puts her under a lot of pressure repeatedly um, for it. But Corbyn gets the vast majority of the questions, and they're usually pretty soft or quite obscure. Yeah, I mean, the trouble I was I said with... Corbyn is he doesn't know the difference between a speech and a question mm. that's part of it you know, today the speaker was complaining that things were going on too long mm. we, you know he did start five minutes late or something um, but there is a lot to be said for that I, mean, I would say that as a journalist whose job is supposed to be to ask questions anybody who listens to this podcast might query my ability <laughs> to do that but um, it would make a big difference if he could just come up with a six good sharp mm. questions yeah. wouldn't it I mean uh, the one I thought was good was David Winnick Oh, I forget what you asked about. Oh, that was, was that the boundaries one? Yes, about yeah. reducing the House, house of Lords. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just you know, a very obvious question. How can yeah. you cut MPs when there's still a massive House mm-hmm. of Lords? 
Boom. There you go. It doesn't have to be difficult. Yeah, you can write. I mean, when I was at the Mirror, we used to write a whole story based mm. on a single question asked by a backbench MP if it was a good mm. one. Mm. Mm. And, and, you know, on a kind of local basis in the chamber, he probably would have gained some support around the chamber for a, a line of questioning on that, on well, that theme. Yeah, yeah. Given that the English and Welsh MPs have just seen their, their boundary proposals. What's going to happen to your, band, your proposal? I know we've got the Scottish Boundary Commissioners uh, well, uh, a few weeks, isn't it? I haven't seen them yet, so I can't really comment on them just now. I, you know, we're, we're told that we're going to lose six MPs. When you look at the size of the constituencies, that's going to be pretty challenging, I think, across the... You've got, uh, what, the Scotland. second biggest constituencies? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, second or third biggest. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's um, pretty vast, and I can't imagine any... And it would need to get bigger to have the, to fit the, what was it, 90, well, that, that's 90, the, 2000? That's the suggestion. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think it would be... Uh, be pretty mad to do that it'd be uh, you know from, from my point of view you know I used to be Highland Council leader and when you look at the, the Highlands as a whole well, sorry the Highland Council area as a whole mm. it's roughly the same size as Belgium oh. um, so you know we're talking about less territory than uh, uh, slightly less territory than a, com- a country the size of Belgium for two constituencies Everything's that the size of Belgium. That would be nuts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Amazing. You'd have a race yeah. with the smallest and the biggest constituency. How long it takes you to get from one side uh, to the yeah. other? Yes. Yeah. Save that one up for remember these new constituencies. <laughs> get, get some uh, what you call them, GoPro constituency races. Yeah. Well. Um, anything else pop up at uh, Prime Minister's questions that, that sprung to mind? Actually, so, in terms of um, backbench questions, I think um, Owen Thompson's question about mm. um, the, the family, oh, yeah. I thought that was a very good mm. example of um, telling a very personal story and, yeah. and constituency story and at the same time bringing um, an issue that the government is actually dragging its feet on. I, I think it's fantastic, particularly, you know, that... That story is um, is very touching. It's a very personal story. It's a it's an issue that uh, you know I think highlights some of the uh, problems that we have with uh, the refugee crisis, with the way it's been handled in the UK and the way it's been handled around uh, Europe. And to get uh, that kind of question in was really good. And it juxtaposed some of the ones that you got from the other side, where they're going, "Will the Prime Minister agree with me that uh, the what he's doing to reduce employment or to increase employment in my constituency is great?" You know, those seem to wait. Those just waste time for me. Those oh. kinds of things. You shouldn't forget the return of Winterval, and it's uh, it's only September. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Oh man. Well, that was. I mean, that was quite an interesting one because it also fed into. Uh, oh, that Victoria Atkins. She's amazing, isn't she? I mean, she always gets up like she's making a really important speech. Waves her arms around like she's either at the debating society or she's straight in the 1940s. Um, she was talking about safe spaces and oh, yeah, that uh, all that sort of stuff at universities. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got uh, Shirley Shvara and his Save Christmas campaign. Mm. Um, there's an in, there is an interesting issue here, isn't there? But it never seems Look, to it, get treated it, in a grown-up way, is always my concern. Well, you, you get drawn out of these things uh, once in a blue moon. You know, I've yeah. had one uh, PMQ, I think, you know, since I got elected. So, you know, so you get drawn out of these things. A chance to look the... Sorry, I've had two, I beg your pardon. A uh, chance to look the Prime Minister of the day in the eyes and uh, ask them a killer question. And surely you'd want to give some thought to doing something that's going to be quite memorable and you're going to be able to move something forward or at least tackle an important issue. Um, you know, I just Come on, it doesn't get more important than Christmas. What are you talking about? They're going to close down Christmas, the, the political correctness brigades. I wonder yeah. if this is the kind of 
yours annoyed in Tunbridge Wells writ large yeah. that you get to this is it annoys them all year and then finally they yeah, get so, yeah. well, well, it's, it's if that's all they've got to worry about them, I'm, I'm it also feeds into this idea that we're going back to the 1950s this idea that yes. you know that somehow the Daily Telegraph are going to basically run Britain with their oh no Christmas is, is mm. you know it's a fundamental misunderstanding <laughs> of what political correctness is yes. political correctness is not offending people if you don't have to yeah that, how could anybody be against that? Yeah. Whereas there are certain people, mainly on the Tory benches, who think, no, I have the right to offend you, therefore I will. It's like, well, no, that's not, that's not political correctness. Isn't that why you joined the Tory party? <laughs> to offend people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's an interesting one. We'll see, unfortunately, of course, we're now all off on holiday for the next month, the, uh, the MPs, or on recess, or you're not on holiday, are you? No, you I, I, hard at work. I, some people may go off to, uh, to holiday or, or whatever, but I find that myself and my colleagues uh, are still hearing about the very large constituencies <laughs> we often have, trying to make sure that we're, uh, that we're doing something there, because it, it is, I think particularly when you're a, a Highland MP, but I'm sure this is the same for people in uh, rural constituencies all around the UK, um, it is really difficult to let people know that you're there unless you're actually there. So you have to use all your spare time that you get away from Parliament to get round and, uh, and, and you know, speak to people. And I've noticed Ruth Davidson's been adopting the helicopter a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she's... She, well, and certainly when I look for photos of her. Uh, uh, I one, I, uh, cynical old me, you know, you'd wonder if she was trying to pick up on some of the successful uh, moves of others, and it's more of a style thing than a. What's it called? But that's what's, what's, what's it called? What's Nicholas Sturgeon's helicopter called? The Hel- helicopter or something? What is uh, it? No idea. There's, a, there's no some idea. sort of really tortured pun on her. Well, name. I think that's more of a press thing. Though. Yeah. The, I don't think it's ever been. Well, not officially, no. I can't think of one person that said to me, oh, there's the whatever it's called. Nicolacopter. I can't remember. Yeah, it's not even your recess, your conference, of course, at the SNP. No, we Despite having all these MPs and the Lib Dems only having eight, they get some of the period of time for their conference, and we don't get any time at all for ours. So uh, so we have this weird three weeks of recess before our conference starts yeah. um, when Parliament's back. <laughs> um, you going to conferences, Julia? I am. I'm going to um, a bit of the Labour. Yeah, um, that's going to be a shambles. Yeah. Um, I'm sadly not going to the Momentum conference. Sorry, it's a fringe event, oh, not, yeah, yeah. not a rival conference. Um, and I'm going to try and pop up and go to a day of the Conservative conference and I am coming to the SNP conference as the You're very uh, welcome. You're yeah. snubbing the Lib Dems. Uh, yeah, I was Aww, advised to, I was poor little Lib Dems. I wanted to go to the Lib Dems and I was advised by someone that uh, it might not be worth the time. Where are they even having that <laughs> conference this year? I mean yeah, there must be lots of jokes about having it in a telephone box or you know, in the back of somebody's car or what, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah Labour Conference is gonna be I was talking to somebody today who said Labour Conference is gonna be violent. Is actual going to be violent? Oh, that'd be, so that would be exciting. Oh, I, I, I hope not. Is this like in the prospectus? This was a Labour person saying, uh, you know, it's going to be in Liverpool. And this was somebody who was not, not anti Liverpool, yeah. shall we say, mm-hmm. uh, saying, is it Liverpool? They're going to be all drunk and they're all going to be fighting, like actual fighting. Um, of course, you've got a big conference coming up in Inverness, haven't you? Haven't you, Drew? We have indeed. What's that then? Yeah. That's the Canal Conference, the first time the, the World the Canal, World Canal Conference. Conference, the first time in ten years it's uh, been back, and uh, it's the right place to have it. We've got uh, the best canal, sixty miles of the Caledonian Canal. Shut up! Right, I'm not having that. You can't say you've got the best canal. Have you, the best to, canal. have you been to Venice? Uh, Venice has got lovely canals, but uh, we've got the best canal. 
What? What's your kind of? It's the well, it's like a Thomas Telford uh, world. Uh, uh, it's one of the wonders of the world, in my view. I mean, it, the 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 engineering to put that thing together to link, uh, you know, Inverness down to Fort William to go through four lock locks not, and many lock locks, locks. <laughs> um, you know, to get there. You know, it's uh, and, and built in eighteen twenty two when uh, when they had to do. Well, it was opened in eighteen twenty two after twelve years of struggle. Um, one, one of the, the funniest things about that is that uh, Telford was gifted a, a house uh, for all his work by the uh, by the, the good people of the borough um, in Inverness when he finished, just on the edge of uh, South Keswick. And he was obviously so sick of being there for 12 years, he never even went to visit it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what that says about your, your gigantic constituency. Thomas Delvin didn't fancy it. Um, is that going to be violent? Uh, you know, are the, the canal people going to turn up and, you know, the yeah, you know, it's the Birmingham people going to go, nah, Birmingham's better than Amsterdam, and Amsterdam are going to go, oh, well, Amsterdam, I don't think they'll all be, you know, oh, there might be a bit that, but, there you might know, be, the Italians will be waving their big gondola sticks, whatever they call their end. There might be a bit of argy-bargy. Oh, oh very <laughs> good. See, how can yeah. you not know the name of Nicholas Helicopter when you go out with puns like that? Ah, you must. Yeah, yeah, um, so. Well, that'll be exciting. Yeah, it it um, will be exciting. Yeah. I think it genuinely is a great thing to, to have in the constituency. Did you travel across your constituency by canal? Uh, well, you're part of it, but it's too, we, I'd need about another four canals to be able to make the, uh, the links effectively. You must be able to get away I'm looking at the map on the wall. You I can go from, from left to right. Well, I, can go from go Nairn, to I can go from Nairn to anywhere by canal, and I can't go from, uh, you know, for example, Abbey Moor uh, to anywhere by canal, but I can travel from Inverness to, uh, to Fort, Augustus, Fort Augustus, which is in my constituency. Well, and do you? Yeah, I have done. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. I, I, I should declare my interest that I mention it because my brother is in fact the King of Canals. That is his actual name. He's the actual King of Canals. Which makes me All hail. which makes me uh, what, second what, in line second in line to the throne, I think, because he's name? got a son. So. What's his name? Uh, he's called Richard. Richard. Yes. King Richard. Uh, he's, I, uh, <laughs> that's probably got me sort of, all sorts of trouble now. He works for whatever they're called. Scottish Canals, is that what they're called? The Scottish Canals, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, very good organisation since they've, uh, they, they, they've been working the past few years. They've done some wonderful work down in Falkirk. The, have you seen the Kelpies? The, oh, he was oh, yeah. all involved yeah. in that. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the work that's been done by Scottish Canals in the past few years has been fantastic for tourism. 25 million users using the canals, or visitors, sorry, using the canals now. It's an incredible number. Do you think they've got lots of money and they're like looking for a podcast to uh, sponsor? You, you can the SNP, does the SNP government up there give them loads of cash that they can, you know, <laughs> I think they get um, a fixed grant if they can find something out of their marketing budget you'll have to ask them well, see we just give them a massive plug we to give something. <laughs> uh, week two and we're still looking for a sponsor so uh, do get in touch if you want to give me money um, ok listen I think we've, uh, we've covered Prime Minister's questions and canals no other podcast anywhere politics or otherwise covers that combination uh, so I'll say thank you to my guests uh, Julia Rampant from Staggers and Drew Hendry again and, and wait for the uh, listenership figures to just go through the roof once I put this online and on iTunes as we are now uh, if you want to get in touch I am politicalyeti at gmail.com and you can find me at politicalyeti on Twitter uh, tune in next week for another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcast thank you <laughs>